And we are live being community radio where we discuss being community. And listen, you guys that are listening, I love you so much. We love each other so much. We're here to support each other on this waking process, on the journey of navigating consciousness. Because the mastery that we are looking for is navigating, surfing, surfing our own meaning-making, the ability to create and tell and narrate our own story live, moment by moment, second by second. This week's uh, theme has been so far about trust. How do we come back to trust? How do we come back to flow? Because what happens when we trust? When we trust, we inevitably meet flow. However, between trust and flow comes what? Fears, doubts, insecurities. Mm-hmm. And when you're not in alignment, those fears and insecurities will actually point you in the right direction. When you're not in alignment, then it's not going to flow. Sometimes you can trust all you want, but if you keep hitting a wall, that's actually a sign that you're trusting the wrong thing. Now, that's a little confusing, but I know it takes practice. It actually takes practice to know what trust feels like. I, for example, I have, whether I make it up or I have voices in my own head, I can tell when I listen and I pay attention, I can tell by the inner guidance system within me, I can tell if it comes from my higher realm or the lower realm, when I pray, when I ask, when I talk. It's all mastering this inner talk, this self-talk, this place within you where there's almost a frequency of trust. Dare, dare I say that? Ooh, a vibration. Yeah, a vibration where, I don't know, just like you can tell if a plant is alive or if a plant is healthy or sick, there is a sense of, no, this is good. Yeah. Doesn't matter what your bank account says or how many listeners you have or how stuck you may feel in the process. I am convinced, I'm 100% convinced that there are signs all the time that are telling you, are you on the right track? Are you doing what your soul is supposed to do? Especially that right now for most of us, it's the permission to explore. Oh, but what if I need to know what I want to do? Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> exploring, exploring, giving yourself the time to explore, giving yourself permission to know that this is a process. Where you want to be tonight, where you want to be tomorrow when you wake up, can happen six months, two years. I had a meeting today and with someone, she's still listening, and just an amazing person, and she said, I, I don't particularly like it when you say two to five years. You know, when we talk about yeah. some of the changes that you're looking for will happen two to five years. Yeah. I said, the truth is, six months is very possible. Right. However, six months is too soon. You need to be able to let go. Right, six right. months for your brain. You right. don't trust if you say, well, I'm going to just work for six months and it's going to happen. Right. You need to trick yourself to trust sometimes. You have to let go. You have to change things up. Uh, believe me, when the first time I heard you say it's going to take two to five years, I didn't like it either. I mean, I think I came to this work you know, a little more on in years than, than a lot of the people in the community. And for me, it's like two to five years is not a little deal. But, right. but it took time, but I got it. It. How long has it been already? It's been almost two years. All right. <laughs> isn't, isn't, uh, let's be honest. The stuff that you've really been dreaming about, isn't that just uh, like coming in right just now? Just barely beginning to start. All now. right. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, but how does it feel? 
It feels great. Right? And it feels great. But, but, I mean, what feels great more than anything else is the internal changes that have happened. And it's like I don't think I could have truly appreciated the external stuff without the internal changes first happening. So you have an awareness of that frequency of trust. Yes. Of sorts. You do. You must. Yes. I know you because I can just tell by you. And, and it's, I've had it my whole life, but I've gotten beaten up for it in different ways at different times. So it really caused me to to doubt that frequency and to mm. not believe in that frequency and 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 to 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 experience some deprivation of support in that way so for me this th- these past 2 years have really been about support and nourishment and and not coming back into my heart but trusting being in my heart wow trusting being in your heart like trusting that it actually, that the heart does prevail. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that that just because some other jerk Turks takes advantage of me, that was their issue. That wasn't my issue. But society has me had me feeling like there's something wrong with me. I'm defective because I actually trusted people. So hey, I have some questions. Sure. Uh-oh, turning the tables on me. Now I'm in No, trouble. no, no, not for you. Not oh. for you. From the community. <laughs> so I got Great. this one, okay, by text. I'm going through all this magnificent rebirth, and my girl gets down because I have been slacking on moving the car when I get tickets. Like, uh-huh. holy shit. And then I don't want to <laughs> argue because it's pointless, and I get upset, and it becomes a bigger issue. Really hard to focus on work. When you're in a bad place with your partner or family, just be as you know, but maybe I shouldn't care as much. I don't know. But constantly dealing with people's crap. As soon as I get down, as soon as I get out, they drag me back in. That's a common thing. Oh, yeah. I can relate to that That's one. a common, common thing. So you want to answer it? I, I, for me, because I can very much relate to that, even though my partner is in the work, it's uh, even more dangerous. It, it it's we're we're not our our process is different and and we're going through different things and in especially in the beginning, it, it was a little bit difficult and and what I found is really it's it's just loving the people more, but loving them more also means having to be a little bit detached. Hmm. Because it's like they're going, it's it's them going through their process, and when we're learning to trust them, we're being magnificent, and we're not worrying about stuff. It triggers them. So when you say detach, you mean don't take it personal, not yeah. being like aloof. It, yeah, no, not being aloof. But what I mean is, is like, yeah, not thinking it's about you, right? Because it's not about you; it's about them, and really, that's when we just need to learn to or, or, to show up with just more love. I think so. I agree, and I'm trying to answer it myself as well. It's common. I I, I experience a lot of the same thing in the beginning, and especially in the beginning, as you start to feel really magnificent. It's. It's actually the ultimate, I don't want to say test, but the ultimate journey is what happens with your close ones and how strong you are, how magnificent you are, really is how you treat the people around you. 
Because the moment you think that you are now in a magnificent place and someone else can drag you down, you, lo- you, 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 you actually do lose it. And it's yeah. important to, first of all, don't be a dick, okay? <laughs> no, like... Yes, absolutely. Like, it's, it's, they're, not, they're not on the same journey as you. They, they go through their own process, their own unraveling, especially if you come home feeling like Jesus Christ or like uh, whatever it is that you maybe relate to. When you feel that, they can feel it. They can, that can trigger feeling of inadequacy. That can trigger feelings of, oh, God, now he really thinks he's better than this. Now he's definitely not going to do the laundry. Now. <laughs> and, and, and that can trigger unconscious testing and unconscious resentment. And your job, mister, your job is to actually use everything you learned now. And what that means is when you're being dragged down, you have to know yourself. You, you could take a breath. And just acknowledge that your girl is feeling that way because she's really feeling that way. It doesn't matter if she has the right to or not. She's actually feeling that way. And for her, you not doing the dishes, you not moving the car, you not doing the laundry is is a violation to her to her reality it's a violation to what she expects what she me what what respect is what acceptance what meeting you know what's the what's good that you're feeling great about yourself but she has to clean up after you right you know what 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 good is it that you finally realize that you're a god if uh, you know you can't do the laundry (laughs) right if your dirty socks are still on the chair i know for you it's small stuff because you got such bigger things to do. I get it. I am not speaking from, you know, I, I, I get it. And this is not something I've mastered. This is something that I'm going through. And I have it a lot when my partner speaks to me like I am a child. Like I am like just like the, the worst thing that could happen to her at times. That's how it feels like. And I'm like, come on, we're playing such a bigger game. We're doing... This is the universe showing us that it's not just us. There is an opposite and complementary dance. And if you did choose a partner, if you are in a relationship, everything that she's going through really does matter. Not taking it personal, not becoming a dick, not being dragged down, taking a breath, honoring what they're at, making their reality as important as you feeling like a god. It's practice. It doesn't mean, again, not getting sucked into it is important, but also not, again, I don't know how to say it, not being a dick around it. Right, right. And, and remember that it, it's always a choice how we choose to respond to people. And you don't have to let them drag you down, quote unquote, because there's always a higher road. There's always a way. And, and to me, I find if there's a way to inject fun into it, if you can you know make a joke that's not um that's not going to provoke uh, uh, negativity but do something to to really uh, um have some fun or be a little playful with it then you can turn the situation around and it doesn't have to necessarily drag you down but it can be an opportunity for you to lift them and here's up. what i learned after all these years after all these years i'm still in it <laughs> that it doesn't matter what good i do and how i do it blah 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 if I don't actually put the dishes in the dishwasher, right. <laughs> then, uh, then I'm not changing, specifically with my partner. 
I uh, trust me. I think I can hire. I can do this. Who the fuck cares? Like I'm so busy. I got such bigger things to do. The, excuse my French. If that's what's important to her, yeah. we better recognize it. I had another text message from someone else that's related. It says, "If I was alone, I would be way more successful than I am." I'm yearning to create, to explode in awesomeness, but people drag me down. It's a very, very, very dangerous and real thought. Mm. A lot of people do that. A lot of people have that. You're never alone. You are never alone. Learn how to relate and how to deal with the people closest to you right now. Because trust me, the people who are alone... It doesn't last. And I'm not saying not being in relationship. I don't care what kind of relationship you're in. But people who just work and they and, and, and it's all about them, you're always gonna get into relationship. In order for you to grow your business, in order for you to grow your passion, you're always gonna get into relationship with someone else, with other people. You're gonna deal with someone's drama. Now, if it's at home in your bathroom in the morning, you think that it's harder, maybe. But it's the biggest opportunity. And I'm saying it for me. I am not in any place, shape, or form that my wife is happy with me. She is she's not as happy with me as I'd like her to be. And this I'm talking to me. And all the spiritual and the mystics of all kinds. Be nice. Pick up after yourselves. Don't come into the house and throw your jacket around just because you're used to. Actually pay attention to what she's telling you. In the moon of the budding trees I was gifted new eyes to see All of the shifting shape and ways you can be Wake the dreams into realities Wake the dreams into realities Sunset diamonds trickle down our cheeks the language of no words is how we speak. So we have another um, uh, question here from one of our, our audience. Um, they're asking for tips on how to balance the, the sort of unity and duality. It, it's like how do you balance being in sort of this connected, heart-centered, spiritual place um, and and really feel like you you know these ultimate truths, but you're still living into in that you know day to day business you know money centered type society. Uh, is it, right. So we have the. I, I feel like I don't know. You do both. Like right. you, you don't see them as separate. Uh, right. I mean, I mean, I you know, I is is my Airbnb rental like non-spiritual because I, I I'm like you know what I mean like like you I think I saw you put it in one email. It's like all business is personal and yeah, it's all personal. There's like there's no separation. We don't have you you know two different worlds that we live in: our business world and our personal world. No, it's all our life. It's and one it, whole life. And as you transition from one career to another, it's very important to realize that it's all one career. It's you right. doing your thing. Right. And so many times we need different types of support structure from the universe that's always coming and seeing that as like a capitalist system or my old career and I'm tired of it. No. Like you can you you can 
give and share spirituality in everything that you do. So how do you balance it? Well, how do you balance it within yourself? Right, right. right? How, how do you balance those different aspects of yourself? Yeah, how do, you, how do you get to a place where you feel whole and accepting of everything that you're doing? Realizing that right. whatever job you have right now, you at some point really wanted it. So respect it, care for it. As you transition, make sure it's a transition out of choice, out of necessity because there are people knocking on your door and you want to be more available for this sort of work than the work you've been doing until now. But don't do it from a place of like, ugh, it's disgusting, I don't want to do it, I don't want to be part of it anymore. And there, it's, everything is sacred. Right. Everything is holy. Every single interaction, it truly, 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 truly is. So how do you balance it? I don't know. Let's figure it out together. I, I say gratitude. Mm. Uh, I mean, we, we really, there are so many things in our life that we, we, we tend to look down upon, but they've supported us for so long. And it's like, let's have some gratitude. Yeah, it may not be perfect. It may not be the best system in the world, but still it's given us amazing things. So why, let's just have some gratitude for it. The other thing, too, is I just want to talk a little bit about this sort of separation of like, you know, the, the, the business world and the spiritual world, because I've found it myself that, you know, five years ago, six years ago, when uh, we got the wellness center and I came out as the conscious consultant after being a, a business consultant for a number of years and an entrepreneur and doing a lot of stuff, you know. People I've talked to, it's like, you know, oh, I can't talk about this stuff to, to my coworkers. And I was like, are you sure? Because I've seen it over and over again. It's like everybody's afraid to be the first person to talk about some of the spiritual stuff or quote unquote crazy stuff because they think everyone will think, oh, they're crazy. But when you finally do open your mouth, you find out, really? Oh, that might explain, like, I had this dream once and my grandmother came to me in the dream and what she told me actually happened or some something like that. You know, that, that all everyone in some way or another has been touched by something in their lives that, that touches their heart and their soul and their spirit. And it's just we're all too afraid to be the first person to broach the subject because we think everybody else is going to think we're nuts. And if you have this fear about being the first, that definitely it means you better be first. Exactly. Because there's something very special about uh, being a pioneer. It's needed. It's, and, and all the pioneering is done in the imagination first, right? Yeah. Yeah. Einstein, Newton, all these guys, they have Hawking's. I mean, yeah. they do it all in their imagination. They have mental images, mental pictures that first organism or cell that went out of the water and into dry land it had to happen in the ether first well you just mentioned stephen hawking and he is like the ultimate example of that i mean this guy his body completely does not function he only has his imagination in his mind he does everything in his imagination in his mind i'm looking at some of the questions that i have because I have lots of questions. Well, you prepared. We may as well use some of that yeah, preparation. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so we can go through them quickly and just get through them. Not that I want to get through them like quickly, but I think that... Mm, pick some juicy something. ones. Well, I feel like I'm hustling and I'm tired of it. I feel stuck having to hustle to pay my bills. So I think we just uh, kind of 
discuss that but the word hustle yeah. is uh, why I, i wanted to pick it up yeah there is definitely a transition from hustling to serving from hustling to contributing from hustling to working the notion of hustle some we were in integration yesterday and somebody who is a recovering hustler <laughs> uh, said that he believes that even the whole concept of hustling <laughs> was something to impress your boss like Yeah, a capitalistic mm-hmm. environment and, and I don't even like saying that word but in an old system where it was all about accumulation because there is not enough and you need more power in case somebody else will take it from you or whatever that is the term hustle was it's a good thing like go hustle right. do your like I need you to hustle I need you to starve like people wanted like yeah. remember it was a thing like yeah, hungry. you have to be the rainmaker you have to go out and make it happen yeah hungry and You know, we've been trained, and I know I have, to literally pitch and lie and market and just get the client and get the thing. And you know what? It's actually happening a lot in the spiritual movement, too. Like, how many of yeah. the, the teach the teachers, they talk about mostly about how to get your emails read in the sales process and how to get right. high-paying clients. High, higher open rate, charge more money. And while there's a lot of truth to it, when the, when the only, it's, the, it's really like the shortest uh, path to money for them, and mm-hmm. I understand that, and mm-hmm. there's, some, there's a lot of truth and good nuggets in it. Mm-hmm. I'd like to continue up just, there may not be money in it short term, but I'd like to inspire people just to spread your message and to speak up and to move from hustling because there's a hustle factor. Yeah, If you're yeah. going to switch from this to that and you're going to you know, not go for... I, I saw a whole presentation of don't do coaching per hour, do group coaching. Don't get five coaching clients at $150 a month. Get five coaching clients at $1,000 a month. I understand all that, but God, it's, you're misleading people because people need the experience. Right, but, and coming back on the hustling piece, but it, even in, in non-spiritual circles, I see that concept really shifting. I mean, I'm, I still do business networking. I'm a member of a business-to-business to business networking group that one of the other hosts, uh, J.C. Maldonado and Joan Pelzer, they're in it, and J.C. runs it. And even in that, you see the, the, the conversation has changed. It's sales is no longer hustling to get sales. It's really building a relationship and being able to serve your customers. Right. And, and so the, our, the consciousness, even around business, is shifting and changing. And why is that happening? It's because our consciousness is shifting and changing around that. So, if you feel like you're hustling, it's okay. You're a recovering hustler. We all are. Know that if you're hustling, someone is hustling you. That's a, it's in your reality. <laughs> so, and I know a lot of you are. I get it. I know people hustle me a lot. Or they try to. And mm. I'm like, listen, whatever you're doing to me, someone is doing to you. That's how it runs. So, that would be a good reminder. Just... Hustling is a, is a dying system. Yeah. Being replaced by trust. Being replaced with trust. I have, okay, I've had to hide my true self because I feel unsupported in my beliefs. That happens a lot. You know, people come yeah. to the work and they say, well, I'm not supported with all these belief systems. And it's kind of challenging. Maybe you can speak to that more because you have more years on me. I, I don't suffer from it that much because... I just 
I just don't. I just didn't know a lot of people until I started doing this work anyway. Right. Uh, but having like 20 years or 30 years experience where you feel like people are not supporting you in your crazy ways. Right. How can we tell people that that's not true? Lou, you just said that. I guess that's what you just covered. Right. But, but well, the other thing, too, is, is sometimes we fool ourselves and we think they're not supporting us because of our crazy beliefs. But it's not because of our crazy beliefs. It's because of our lack of integrity or lack of belief in ourselves or um, lack of really sharing in a heart-centered way, these things that we've learned, because sometimes it, it's easy to like think you've found this great truth and you have to convert everybody. You know, you, you're you're not sharing because you're trying to support and help other people. You're sharing because you're trying to convert them because you don't believe this stuff quite enough yourself. So it's like if you can get somebody else to believe and support you, then it's like, oh, okay, then I'm right. And, mm. and so really it's like, what are you, why are you trying to convert these people? You know, they're happy believing what they're believing. Why do you have to change their beliefs? Why can't you just be comfortable knowing what you know? And if somebody sees you're happy and you're doing well and there's just something about you and then they ask you, you know, hey, what's going on with you? All right, they're asking. Then there's an opportunity to share. But if they're not asking, why are you sharing? So we're saying get over it and focus on your problems. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's what we should have said. Uh, let's see. I'm always... I've heard you speak about uh, Troubled by Greatness. Can you elaborate? I guess we already did a show about that. But and we yeah. have one minute or so left. There's a part a of you, minutes. there's a deep, deep part of you that knows. Like Nelson Mandela he has a book, Who Are You Not To Be Great? Great yeah. So... There's a deep part of you that really knows that you are meant to affect change, to contribute, whether it's your art, your speaking, your sharing, your business ideas. And that is greatness, meaning a part where you are leading, where you're not looking in the back of you. You're not worrying about what people are thinking about you. Or you are, and yet you're still doing it. Everyone right now that I speak to or, you know, the, the biggest challenge, and it's like Sam Leibowitz pointed in our last show, I am suffering from the same issue, troubled by greatness, troubled by your own greatness, troubled by what it means for you to be exposed, to be vulnerable, to be honest, to take risks, to go out on a limb. So I really want you to recognize it and, and see that what's really bothering you whether you're judging someone else, where you see someone and you're like, oh, no, no, I see their fatal flow. Oh, no, no, they, 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 they're they not right. They're not good. Maybe you're troubled by your own greatness. Maybe you're afraid that you cannot be supported being you. You cannot be supported crossing some traditional and conventional lines and breaking through some conventional boundaries and still be safe in the process and still be safe in the world because that's what makes you great, being yourself fully. My soul is tired 
of working for others. Does it resonate? Yeah. People say that. People say that a lot. I worked for others, so to speak, in that nine-to-five environment that I didn't like. But it's a, it's a risky statement to make. My soul is tired for working for others. Because the truth is, you're always working for others. <laughs> you really, 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 really are. So well, maybe well, actually, so I would say you're always working for yourself. Well, you're serving others. You're serving others, yes. Yeah. So you're working for yourself. You're serving others. So if your soul is tired for, of working for others, realize that you're always going to be serving other people, and yet you may want to choose the type of work and the type of passion and the type of people you want to work with. And that's fair. But again, the transition is important, the transition period. You're, you're, even if you're going to quit your job right now after listening to this podcast, it cannot be from a place of resentment. Right. It has to be from a place of reverence, gratitude, and a level of readiness because you finally feel ready. But you better say thank you to everybody you've been working with. Even if you really, really, really despise them, you need to turn that around and realize that they taught you something. They got you ready. Even if they taught you what you don't want, that's a huge, huge plus. So if your soul is tired of working for others, know that you're always going to be serving others. Know that your soul yearns, yearns to contribute, yearns to spread light. And what you're learning is this balance of self-care and nourishment. And that leads me to the next question because people ask a lot, I don't know what my passion is. Uh. So this yeah. is we can do a whole podcast on it. Yeah, but there's a couple of sentences. Do you have any? Uh, um, uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of people in 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 community kind of say, I, "I don't know what I'm passionate about," and 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 you know, even sometimes my partner she'll say that to me, and and I, I usually and I think it's the same thing that you do, which is basically okay assuming that bills are taken care of we have enough money you know what would you want to do you know don't worry about you don't have to make a living assume you're taking care of what gets you out of bed in the morning what are you going to do tomorrow well i don't know maybe this maybe i like to travel great what are you going to do after you've seen the entire world you know, eventually it comes to it. It's just we really do know what we're passionate about. We just usually don't feel safe enough to to admit it to ourselves. Yeah, my, my sentence these days is look at your broken dreams. Hmm. Look at your broken heart. What broke your heart? What dreams have you given up on? <sighs> I, I, I'm okay it is there is usually something there yeah there's usually something there and if there isn't then you're lucky i guess or you're in trouble because you haven't experienced enough things you know. yeah. but there's something there there's something deep within every one of us that you know what broke your heart yeah. what broke your heart right. so that's a that's a that's a that's a quick hack into finding your passion for me mm. Cool. All right, more questions. Uh, how do I hang on to the good feelings? Mm. How do I hang on to the good feelings? Oh. Well, 
That's a toughie. Hey, well, the toughie because you're trying to hang on to some. Right. Right. <laughs> so first of all, we said it before, we'll say it again. There is no such thing as hanging on. Hanging on is right. the trouble. Hanging on is the curse. Trying to, don't you hear that? People say, oh, I wish I could bottle it. Yes. Oh, man, that's so dangerous. I mean, everything has an expiration date if, at some point. Mm. Bottling it, no. There is no such thing. You can build on the good feelings. That's my advice. You can build on it. How do I hang on to the good feelings? You can't. You generate, create, learn how to create experiences that generate these good feelings. Right. They're not going to be the same as they were. Go ahead. I, I like I. I get coaching clients who who I I see all the time, and and the answer I always have for them is the same, which is stop judging your emotions as good or bad. Hmm. That there's nothing wrong with feeling angry. It's just how you happen to feel. That, you know, if you're upset or you're sad or you're depressed, what gives us the most difficulty in it is judging that's wrong, that's bad. I shouldn't feel bad. I shouldn't feel depressed. I should. Why not? If it's how you feel, it's how you feel in the moment. Now, you may not want to make decisions when you're feeling that way. You may not want to go out and hang out with your friends when you're feeling that way. But stop making yourself wrong for not feeling good. And when you stop making yourself wrong for not feeling good, you know what happens? You feel better. Yeah. So we're not going to hang on anymore. And yet we can cultivate a practice of acceptance. And as I mentioned briefly, you can build on it. I know what it yeah. feels like when I'm down. I don't feel good. I, I don't know exactly. I'm not sure what I'm doing if I'm on the right track. I mean, especially if I didn't do the laundry. <laughs> and, things, and things at home are not. And the dishes are still in the same. But it's true. It's really true. Then yeah. like there's this mopiness that comes around. And like, oh, God. And building on the good feeling is really just making the effort and going and it's coming back to trust and go, hey, let's not throw everything out. Yeah. Things are good. I know yeah. what good feels like. I know what trust feels like. Okay. What does it mean to trust a little more? What does it mean to not throw the baby out with the bathwater? Bath water. Yeah. I'm Jewish. I don't know <laughs> what that means. But there is something there like... You can build on it. No, it's not the same explosive as it was during your retreat or your spiritual journey or your shamanic circle. It's even better yeah. because it's just you. Yeah. No teachers, no students, no resources, no tools, just you and your mind and your heart. So how do you build on those good feelings? And that takes me to another question. How do I generate the feelings of love and connectedness? How do I generate the feeling of love and connectedness? Mm. Well, I just wrote two words. I'm not a human being. Yeah, Conne but I, I also would, I would say like the answer is not in generating it. It's remembering it. Okay. Because so. we all know what it's like to feel love and connected. And it just sometimes we forget. So how do you do it? The music, you, right? For every being, for everyone, it's different. It could be being, could be going out into nature. It could be seeing a, a movie that you love. It could be, yeah. It, it's it's what what do you feel love and passion for? Maybe it's uh, you know walking the dog. <laughs> Maybe it's watching House of Cards. Yeah, no, for real. I mean, I, I 
I had a great conversation with this uh, human being the other day, and he was talking about how empathizing with other people, just watching Netflix or a show, empathizing with their struggle really, really helped yeah. them. Wow. Okay, yeah, because cool. sometimes we get so sucked into our own stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, just w- watch a movie, watch a TV show, and realize that the whole world is struggling through right, things. Right, right. And we need a reminder that we're not living a, a very personal hero's journey. We're actually living out a mythical, a collective hero's journey where the hero is not alone. Right. And that's back to my original comment. Another human being connecting to yeah. someone else, reaching yeah. out, answering a text message, texting someone else. Well, generally speaking, generate it because that's where the intelligent leave, lives. And, and I would almost say it's reaching out to somebody else who you know you can help. Maybe somebody else who's going through a more difficult time that you can support because then it's we feel good when we're in, in giving and supporting and helping someone else to feel good and we kind of forget about our own shtick and it's like it just feels good like oh, you know that person was feeling a little bit lonely and I called them and we talked for you know 15 minutes a half hour and and by the time you both get off the phone you both feel better. And that's not a question. This is something that I've been really realizing. So today I was on the phone and I was in meetings and I, I've been saying the following. I have learned my personal uh, capacity to actually be present and it's usually 45 minutes or so. So yeah. I just say it in the beginning of the phone call oh, okay. and I, at the beginning of the meeting and I say, and just so you know, it's it's not you, it's me. <laughs> no, for real, that... You know, just in about after 45 minutes, I'm, uh, I'm starting to get tired. I'm so, starting to get drained. So like having you here in studio for two hours is a real challenge then? You know, the 12-minute the, the breaks really helps. Oh, okay. You good. know, the 12-minute segments. Uh, yeah. Like 14-minute. Yeah, but the, last, by the last half hour right now, it's a little more tiring. Yeah. But there is another wave of excitement for me because it's really the most it's it's my teaching hour it's my two hours of teaching uh, so uh, uh and you know what am i gonna do i'm gonna you have to work within the confines of the thing but knowing it no i'm not as excited and good so to speak as i was in the first hour no but that's okay but and when i'm on the phone when i'm in meetings just knowing that mm-hmm. like i can start look at the clock and i know that after 30 minutes i can get there I can get there. So starting to express, starting to find your own rhythm. I had a great brainstorming meeting this past weekend. And the first hour was amazing with this amazing angel. I just listened to it before the podcast, which gave me a lot of the ideas for the show. Uh But we went on for three hours. Now, nobody wanted to stop, but I know. I I, I can just tell there is, even when you lose 5%, 10% of the steam. Yeah. The creativity is not the same. So just knowing, knowing yourself, go outside, take a break. Uh, Sometimes, I mean, I I was in a a two hour and a half back to back meetings today. So every 45 minutes or so, you know, we sat down for a few minutes and we just were quiet. We took a tea. I went to the bathroom, even if it's not a real bathroom break, just to (laughs) kind of take a break. Yeah. It's important, that's my reminder, to know yourself, to know your rhythm, especially as you're engaging and needing and if you feel down and you're out there and you feel so f- filled up by engaging and helping, also know your rhythm, know your 
for lack of better words, limits. It's important. Yeah. So then you're not drained. So then you, you, you don't know why you have this like, constant seesaw of, I feel, feel good, I feel bad. I feel good, I feel bad. There's nothing wrong with the ups and downs. Right. But there are better ways to mitigate it. Right, right. And if you know your rhythm, then you don't have to get so down. If you give yourself a little bit of a break and you recharge your batteries, then you can come back. And it can change. I mean, yeah. I started my day today at 6. I had my first phone call at 7. Wow. It's 9.41. It's going back and forth. You know it. I know it. I can feel my mind wandering off right now, but it's okay. Like it's 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 part of it's it's getting to know yourself. Right. Next time, maybe I'll eat before the show. Or I'll bring a smoothie. <laughs> or I'll bring a green juice. Yeah. Whatever it may be, give yourself a break. Get to know yourself. Now, the art of knowing yourself, spending good quality time with yourself, really giving yourself the time to cultivate presence and to cultivate awareness and to anticipate to anticipate the dip. To anticipate the curve. We did that in the last integration. Yeah. We spoke about, okay, you're feeling great, hopefully, or not. It doesn't matter. But let's say you got something out of this experience. Let's anticipate when it may go away. It's, you know, people say that a lot to me. I want to feel, feel bliss all the time. I want to be awake all the time. Yeah. Is that realistic? I don't know. Maybe in the future. I, I, I'm not sure, but right now, while we still go to sleep every night and death is assured and we breathe, for as long as we breathe and we go in and out, the heart beats in and out, there's, some, there's beauty to this process. So instead of trying to control everything, like you see in every magazine advertisement, <laughs> you learn to flow. You learn to trust the flow. And that includes, like you said, the bad feelings, the negativity, perhaps, the jealousy, the resentment, the utter helplessness. It all has value. And when we come back, we'll talk about contractions. So tap me out and tap me into you. Heal my brain and my body too. Balance my chemistry, hydrate these cells, cause the body talks and meditation helps. The body talks and meditation helps. I thought we had a caller there, but I didn't hear anybody on the other end. Hey, it happens. Yeah. We, no such luck. We have to actually serve on our own. Yeah. So uh, it's actually um, getting back to to what you were just what we were just talking about before when affair and coming back. It's kind of knowing your rhythm, and as the song just said, the body talks and meditation helps. It's like knowing how you're feeling in your body. Like know what it takes to fill yourself up. Know what it takes to recharge yourself like you know uh f- when i was at the leadership and i was talking about all the things i'm doing and you're like self-care what are you doing for self-care what are you doing for self-care and it's like well i'm doing this not yeah what more can you do and i'm like oh more yeah more self-care and and so we we it, it's at least for myself i can only speak for myself for me just the concept of like wow you mean i have to even figure out more things that 
support and take care of myself <clears throat> is such a foreign concept. So it's like it's not just a massage, but, you know, time in nature or, or, or being with friends or going to a movie or whatever it happens to be. It's like knowing for ourselves what really fills us up and making it okay for you to actually go and do those things and get those things. That's a huge, and I think a lot of people struggle with that. Making it okay. I, again, okay. I've, been, I've been reintroduced to my the lineage and the Jewish mysticism that I come from, which is Kabbalah. And uh, it's just so easy to remember that the only real word to remember about Jewish mysticism is the word meant to receive. Yeah. And we're receiving a phone call, is that what you're saying? Yes, All we're right. receiving a phone call. We have right. Carl calling in. Hey, Carl. <laughs> hey, good evening. Good evening. We were just talking about you during the break. Get out. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah we were. Well, I, I heard you guys... Uh, well, how, well, is that how do you how do you know it was me? Do you, you recognize the number? Well, it's a, it's a, it's your a, voice. I recognize your voice. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, I heard you guys talking, and um, you said something. I think it was Aurea saying uh, people who say they're tired of working for other people, and uh, that's something I said recently in, in, in the integration. But if I can elaborate on that, I I hate working or I hated working for corporate America, specifically. Uh, in my job, IT job, uh, we, uh, towards the end, it, it, became, it, was, it was happening more so where you had to work more with less. And, um, and in particular in IT, you're always using newer software and newer hardware, so you don't need as many people supporting the system. So towards the end in particular before I left, and in about 25 years in IT, well, actually 25 years altogether, I found myself doing a pretty good job helping companies downsize staff just, just because <clears throat> you can do more with newer technology and need less people supporting it. Hmm. And that's the part so specifically that you know, right? you know, just a, that in itself became a drag. And besides having to work, you know, more with less, the attitude from management is that they wouldn't really even hire new people to take on, you know, extra work that would come along. So you would use the same tools yeah. and the same technology mm -hmm. to improve the world, though. So it wasn't specifically working for others. It was working for others who didn't see the value of human beings and the, the, the genius of what we can create with technology. It was more about just uh, meeting shareholders' expectations. Or, uh, what do you, because what do you call corp corporate America, right? I mean, I don't, there's different ways to define it. <coughs> but specifically, it's when you're working for companies and corporations who their goal isn't the value that comes to the people, it's the value that comes to the investors and the shareholders. Typically, yeah. Typically. I was always the top 500 uh, in the IT world. I was always in that realm where it was the S&P 500 kind of company. So always the when you're in New York City and you're in IT, you make more money if you work for the financial companies. And that's that's where I stayed. Got it. That's where I was. And um, what, what what helped? So yeah, it's what generally you? you're you're helping them maximize profits for the shareholders. 
period. And yeah, you get, and it pays well. If you're good in IT, it, there's in in New York City, it pays very well. And uh, you're in demand too because they they want guys that know this stuff, and they'll pay you well. But you work your butt off. There's no you you're always getting called. You're always on call. Um, you really don't have much of a life. <laughs> And you're always learning new stuff. You're always having to keep on top of technology. So it's it's just a real burnout kind of career. At least I felt that way. And so others in IT what, felt feel that, that way too. I think it's one of the fields where people leave more often than other fields, as opposed to staying in for for a life. You know, and that's where I found myself. Right, right. Fortunately, I got lucky where I could step away from it. So oh, I want to hear about that. You mean, got lucky because of courage, because of burnout that led to a decision like what 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 helped you uh i i suppose it was partly would you would you say courage well i'd, I'd like to reach for courage but my wife um we have a little one we have a seven-year-old and at the time uh mostly her sister was helping raise our, our little one so we were both working very hard in the city and uh found that um her habits her learning behaviors everything that was uh, coming to her world was really from her sister's world you know it wasn't about us it's like it was like we were have we had a kid but someone else was raising them it, and then something came up an opportunity in the family something bad happened and i said you know what this may be an opportunity for us why don't we, i'm I'm, I've kind of I put myself in a position where I was challenging um, IRS agents from 2005 forward. The IRS, um, I challenged them. I uh, I stopped doing returns, and it became well, in the end, very stressful because obviously they're they're sending you bills. They're, it's it's short of it's it's kind of harassment because even though you challenge them um, and for the questions. They they go around them and and eventually you end up in a bad place. I was uh, having to pay. I was billed for about one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. They were billing me for and um, and obviously I didn't feel it was right. So I when I quit, I spent then the next six months learning how to go to court uh, and and I sued nine IRS agents and two former coworkers. Hmm. for allowing them the IRS to debit my wages to take money that they said I owed them out of my salary so I, I sued all them um it ended up it was about a year you know in court and stuff it didn't uh, I learned a lot I, I particularly went on the common law route uh, which there's not a lot understood in this field uh, particularly when you speak to speak to attorneys who really well, try to convince you that common law is dead it isn't you just have to know how to go about it but actually how i got them off my back is through administrative law i challenged them and used court proceedings that, that these irs agents uh, to show that they are not a, gov a federal government agency and uh, there's a supreme court footnote on this and there's actually uh, uh united states attorneys admitting this in a court case that they are not a federal government agency. So now, when if it, it's been over a year since I've received any letters from the IRS, but if they were to send me, or if they did send me anything after that court case, I sent them a letter saying, "Well, 
you're, as per um, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, which is Title 1516, which is Section 1692. I, I forget the specifics, like but I challenge you. Definitely like saying, working you're, hard. You're, you're not a federal <laughs> government agency. In your Carl, private Carl, so let me ask you a question, Carl. I have no contract with you. Right. I have no obligation with you. Go away. Yeah. Carl, and it, Carl. They did. Carl, let, um, let me ask you a question, Carl. Till now. I mean, at least that's how it, it you know, it's transitioned. So, um, Carl, so so really what you did was, in a big way, stand up for yourself, isn't it? I mean, I'm not talking about the specifics. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not <laughs> concerned about the specifics, but, but internally what you did was you stood up for yourself to what you believed in at the time and what you educated yourself about at the time. Correct. So it was courage. Yeah, it was, some would say it's still kind of a foolish courage. It's it's probably not the uh, ideal way to go about things. I have no idea. <laughs> you know, we started it this took whole... took hair out of my head. <laughs> well, it's okay. We, we we started this whole show about not being, a, you know, ideal anything. And we are finishing the show with your call. So I think it's a great example of, you know, you, you're not even sure exactly why you did everything that you did. And yet you're going to look at it in five years from now and go, oh, my God, this has all been leading me to courage to to having had the practice to be courageous to go against the system to go you know for for what i believe is true even though it may seem foolish all of this experience is really just training and groundwork to whatever it is that coming next in your life and we know that yes so that's I, I had enough. I mean, you know, when I, I there was some really, you know, as I said, it, in, in the integration, it was challenging, it was rewarding, um, but then it was like you were in the mail room. It's like, okay, here's your next project. It's like there was never. It was a slap on the shoulder, and and towards the end, uh, I was as an employee, I was mostly a consultant my my life because I'd rather get paid hourly. Who wouldn't when you're doing all that hard work? And and it, it made more sense. But towards the end, because of the economy and whatnot, I took a salary position. And and you now became a, a slave where you worked for bonus all the time. Oh, you, so you, know, you, you want to, so you want to, you know. So we got like literally 10 seconds because we're living the okay. show. So, what do you, so everybody that feels stuck, what do you tell them? Go for it? Change? Like, well, yes or no? Do you go for what? What was the, the change? Do you go for the change? Should, should people make the change? Yes, you got to be happy, and uh, you, you must be happy. And I found that my happiness was fighting them in a way. Um, it was it was really digging in deep and saying, "Is this worth it?" I put, and the hardest part was I didn't, I wasn't worried about me. I was worried about my family, and that was the, that's where I felt it was the mistake is that if something happened to them in this process, and you still I, and, and you still did it, and you trusted. And we just got to meet one another, and we know we have a beautiful journey ahead of us. And I really appreciate you participating fully in every way from the, our first phone call to right now you're calling in the show. We are signing off. I look forward to seeing you again and speaking to you. Thank you again, Carl.